Hey, Shoujo fans, welcome to episode 35 of Shoujo Sunday. This week, we will be reviewing episodes 22 to 24 of Oran High School Host Club. Let's dig in. It's the penultimate episode. Oh my god! Oh my gosh, we're we're at the end already. We're at the end. I feel like time sort of sped by. It really did. Wow! Like this year, honestly, guys, this year is like crazy. What is time anymore? <laughs> yes, for real. Because honestly, as soon as my birthday is over, which did you wish me a happy birthday? My birthday probably passed by the time you're listening to this. But for me personally, when May is gone. Like, the year's basically done. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's like my birthday's in October, so it's like basically at Halloween, so it's Christmas at that point. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, okay, I'll give you guys this. June, once June is over, the year is really done because (laughs) I don't know, like, I think God put crack in time because by the time (laughs) you think it's like one minute it's independence day then the next minute people are saying like happy new year and like kissing each other (laughs) or not if we're still in the pandemic but you know right honestly like i don't know if it's just me but like my perception of time has infinitely changed over the last few years and i don't know if it's just because i'm almost 30 i'm about to be 30 or if it's because of the pandemic You know, like, I don't know if it was because we were all stuck inside and then nobody knew what time it was at on any day or what day of the week it was. And now it's just moving at this infinite speed that I do not like. Right. It's like it felt as if everybody was just sort of paused Mm -hmm. and we like lost years to the pandemic. And now it's like, oh, it's we're not paused anymore. But it never, time never paused to begin with. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's, how old were we when the pandemic started? Um. Maybe you were still that age. I think I was 27. Yeah. We're just 27. I mean, we're really 30. Yeah, I'm still 27. (laughs) (laughs) It was a pause. I'm still 20. No, I lied. I'm really 30. I'm 30 now, y'all. Yeah, I hope y'all wished her a happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. I had the best time in Vegas. Yes, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. But anyway, let's get into this episode, penultimate episode. Okay. Yes. Guys, here's our, our soft serve summary for episode 22. Mori has an apprentice candidate. When the son of a gangster, Ritsu Kasunoda, seeks out Mori for tips on how to change his scary appearance and gain friends, the host club jumps at the opportunity to assist. They constantly mistake Kasunoda's name by calling him Casanova or Bossanova, as well as dress him in ridiculous outfits. When Kasunoda meets Haruhi, he's attracted to her, which leads to confusion about his sexuality, since he believes her to be a boy. When the two rival gang members attempt to hurt Kasunoda, Honey and Mori intervene. 
the thugs demand that Tetsuya Sendu, one of Kasunoda's gang members, be returned, but Tetsuya appears and demands that they leave before sharing with the host how he came to serve his young lord. Kasunoda is touched by everyone's goodwill and goes to find Haruhi, who is changing in Music Room 3, and just like Tamaki, he learns about Haruhi's gender by accident. Okay, and that's our summary. Gianna, do you have a theme? I do. I think this one is very similar to the Jungle Pool episode. I just put, don't judge someone solely on their appearance or family. Ooh, that's a good one. What do you have? I said, you don't need to change yourself in order to make friends. Oh, I really like that. Thank you. Do you have any sprinkle on top? I have a stretch for us. <laughs> okay. I put that Casanoda sees himself in the sparrow that he's nursing back to health because it's un I know it's unable to spread its wings and fly until it's been settled into the right environment to get better and thrive again. So after Casanoda finds friends in the host club, he's able to spread his wings and be more open with people. That's really sweet. Yeah, I do have like somewhat of a I don't, it's not like a hot take, like it doesn't belong anywhere. I just, I think that this might be my favorite little arc of the entire series because I love Casanoda so much. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking that Casanoda is a really deep character. Mm -hmm. And I think because he's easily misunderstood, you just feel bad for him because he genuinely wants community. Yeah. And then that coming from like us, like a podcast wanting to create community, I felt a little bit touched by his experience. Oh, yeah. I definitely related to him in my own way. Okay, let's get into Floats Your Boat. So I love the Edo era cosplay mm -hmm. that they have going on. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's really neat to see Kyoya appreciating Renge's ideas for the Edo era cosplay day. Yeah, like I think just him as a Shadow King, he acknowledges her mental prowess in getting money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a weird way that they work amazingly together. Yeah. And I also love how she like narrated like <laughs> what they were trying to do and like talked about like the era and the history. And it was great. I know that they made references to like different samurai that each character was acting as. But sorry, guys, that that's kind of beyond me. Yeah, same. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I don't have nothing for you for that, but I think it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. As always, great attention to detail and cultural accuracy from the host club. Yeah. Uh, what's one of your floats your boat? So the very first thing that I have is that when we first see Casanoda, I'm like, how could this guy possibly have a problem with Mori of all people? But it's such a wholesome twist that he wants to be his apprentice. I think that's adorable. Yes, I thought it was so cute because I'm just thinking like, of course he wants to be Mori's apprentice because Mori is fine. Like, I get it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he just starts cutting him down. And I was just like, what? I was so shocked. But then what was so even more funny was that Maury was shocked too. Well, yeah. He said that Maury looks just as mean as he does, but I don't think that's true personally. Yeah, he, he really doesn't. I think that Maury is a lot more model-esque. <laughs> And um, I'm not even saying that because I'm biased. I just think in general, he's more model-esque and his face is better. 
not better like as if Casanova's face is bad, but like Casanova's face, he has like resting bitch face. Yeah, I actually wrote that in my notes that his problem is literally resting bitch face. Yeah, and then meanwhile, Mori is very stoic, so you can't tell what he's thinking and everything. Yeah, he has the mystery. Meanwhile, Casanova is more just like resting bitch face. Yeah, yeah. Something else that I loved is that when we were like seeing the host club in their Edo era cosplay that like you see Haruhi because like the girls at the club were just sort of fawning over each <laughs> like club member. And when it gets to Haruhi, Haruhi looks as if she's looking into the future or just off at, at some faraway place. And it just looks very majestic, but she's seriously thinking about groceries. And I just died laughing. It's like, yeah, she's like, she's like, there's a sale going on at the supermarket today, just relatable as ever. I'm just like, girl, why are you thinking this passionately about pork? Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought, or at least once we see Casanova like being introduced to the club, and then we're seeing, I guess, the host react to that what was really funny for me was they did like a fourth wall break yes where they're explaining maury's character (laughs) and how he doesn't say shit yeah (laughs) tamaki's like he's like apologizing to him for only having one line an episode he's like we're three quarters of the way through the season and you haven't had your own episode yet is that why you're upset (laughs) yeah i love moments like that or at least stuff like this is the reason why like oran is so close to my heart Mm -hmm. same here same here because i feel like when they have these wall breaks it's like they're doing it with us in mind oh yeah for sure for sure what's some of your floats your boat so the next thing that i have is when tamaki's like well this is mori's decision Casanova asked to be his apprentice, so it's entirely up to Mori to decide if that's something he wants to take on. And Mori just gives Tamaki the most adorable, silent plea for help. His face just, like, scrunches up and goes blue and as a, as a way of being like, please help me. So I thought that was adorable. And Tamaki immediately eats that up because he was just, like, waiting for the chance to jump in. I loved all of that. Yeah, and... Honestly, I love the fact that Mori even allowed Tamaki to help him. Mm -hmm. I feel like it displayed a level of trust between them that we never actually get to see as much because of the fact that Mori is so like honey focused that when he's interacting with other host club members, it's very rare. But I'm glad he knows when to ask for help. Yeah. I also loved coming right out of that. As Tamaki is giving Casanoda advice on what gives Mori his appeal, he brings up the lovely item. <laughs> and everything about this is terrible advice. And it's terrible to say in front of Honey to insinuate that he's an object. But only Tamaki could dream it up. And it was... Funny enough for me to put it in Floats Your Boat rather than Banana Split. And Honey's like crying, like, are you renting me to Mori? It's like precious, but also terrible in a really funny way. Right. That's what I was thinking as well, because I think seeing Honey's reaction to it, like how he continued to escalate it, like, and then Mori just, Mori, it got to the point where Mori couldn't even speak. He was just physically moving his body to say no. 
Yeah, he like ran out of his allotted words for the day. Yeah. Another point that I liked in the episode was when Casanoda is explaining why he wanted to be Mori's apprentice and it shows him growing up. You see him as a baby <laughs> with like a binky in his mouth crawling towards the sword. <laughs> and so then he grabs the sword and then the, his dad's like, oh, you're going to try to fight. You're going to try to do something. And all of the doors just open and like the people, like the followers are just like, he's trying to fight. And it's it's a literal baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the English dub, they all come in and they're like, young Lord, do you want to rumble? It's so funny. Yeah. I just, uh, it was, I just love this episode. Me too. Uh, the next thing that I have in Floats Your Boat is after Mori saves Casanoda from the planters falling from the roof. Mm. It was just nice to see everyone crowding around Mori to see if he's okay. And the way Honey just adorably climbs up his back and asks him, like, hey, are you okay? It's really sweet. Yeah, I think that it was nice to sort of see that dynamic. Well, not that dynamic, but I think it was just nice to see that interaction since, you know, we end up seeing more people fawning over, like, the twins and the twincest mm -hmm. and Tamaki in these episodes. So seeing people sort of fawn over Mori was good. Because it's like, okay, people care about him, too. Yeah, it's nice to see him having that appeal. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also great to see that he would go out of his way to, like, protect somebody else. Oh, for sure. He, like, barely knows Casanoda, but he still wanted to make sure that he was safe. Yeah, yeah. I only have one more Floats Your Boat. I would like to just preface that I feel as if I was really just experiencing these three episodes, guys. So, if my Floats Your Boat seems lacking, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. These are some of my favorite episodes of Oron, too. I probably should have said that up top before we started. When I think about rewatching Oron, these three episodes that we're doing this week are the ones I think of first. These are my favorite episodes of the series. Mm. I know it's a hot take, but maybe I should have saved that for Hot Fudge. But uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> you go ahead if you want to continue your floats your boat. <laughs> no, I can understand why it's your favorite just because, you know, we get to hear about more. Well, actually, that would be, you would think this would be my favorite episode, but <laughs> like we get to hear more about Mori, but then we also learn a little bit more about Kyoya. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. Yeah. The last floats your boat that I have is at the end of the episode, actually. Oh, okay. So it's Casanoda is taking care of this little sparrow that had a messed up wing and um Haruhi shows up and wants to feed the sparrow and someone tries to throw a can of like red paint at Casanoda but Honey is able to save it by like kicking it it just makes the paint go on Haruhi but still like Casanoda doesn't get hurt well no one does technically and once they explain that these people were personally targeting Casanoda, I love the fact that Mori gave him a head pat. Mm. I was just like, oh, like if I was somebody's apprentice and they gave me a head pat, I would feel so fulfilled in life. <laughs> yeah, that was an adorable gesture. I especially liked that they were saying to him that we can tell who the bad guys are just by looking at them. 
Like, it's so sweet. Also, low-key Rocky Road because I literally could tear up. But, oh, I really, really loved them sticking up for him and not even telling him that there were guys after him just so that he wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, because it's like he was so focused on, like, trying to be... I guess, a more approachable person that the last thing he really needed was to be like, people are targeting me for no reason. Mm -hmm. So it just allowed him to be able to focus on what he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a couple more floats your boat. Okay. Just like three more. Okay. So number one is that Kasunoda can't help but feel attracted to Haruhi, even though he can't understand why. I love the gay but not gay undertones of this very much. Yes. Yes, that kind of reminds me of like Hanakimi, to be honest. That's another like shoujo work about cross-dressing. Oh, okay. That was one of the themes of like, the girl is pretending to be a boy. And so then the love interest is like, do I like men? Oh. Or I guess I just like this particular man and stuff. Oh, baby, that's how it starts. (laughs) Right, right. So... Yeah, I, I can see it. I, I liked that they were sort of exploring it. And even though he was a little wigged out, I feel like it was tastefully done. Well, maybe not tastefully done, but it's like it wasn't like abhorrent or bad. Right. Even when his like syndicate found out that he was potentially in love. I mean, that's I think that's the next episode. They weren't like, oh, no, how could this be like a man? Like, that's terrible. We need to fix this. It was just like, oh, my God, what? That's new. So, like, I really liked that. It wasn't, like, bad because it was gay. It was just, like, unexpected because, like, they didn't think that was that he was gay. So, very, very cool on, you know, all the writing on that for sure. The next thing that I have is very quick. I have when they put cat ears on Casanoda to try and give him a cute aesthetic, they're still scared of him. And Honey's just like, it's a cat monster. (laughs) I laughed out loud at that. And when (laughs) Tetsuya walks in right as they have him in a maid costume, (laughs) he just doesn't know what to do. He's so embarrassed. Everybody's embarrassed for him. You know, I just thought all that was very, very funny. Because all Kasunoda wants is to learn how to, like, have a softer aura, I guess. (laughs) And they're just doing all the wrong things because it's the host club. I just, again, I can't stress how much this episode just makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me happy as well. Like, actually, you know what floats your boat for the fact that Casanova was so open-minded to just try anything to achieve his goal? Yeah. 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 I love this character. I love this character so much. Me too. The very last thing I have in Floats Your Boat is that it was nice to see the connection of Tetsuya wondering earlier in the episode whether or not Kasunoda had brought an umbrella to school because it turned out that Kasunoda had offered him an umbrella when he saw him alone in the rain and that's how he ended up joining his gang. And he's reiterating again to Kasunoda that he knew he was a kind person the moment he saw him. And I love it. I love their connection. I feel like um, I would love to see more of it. Like I would, <laughs> I would love you know fanfic or like spinoffs of like just some like OVAs of just them because they seem like they have such a great brotherly bond. And I feel like after this little arc, the Casanova had that they could really develop that further. Right. I think that it would just be nice to you know see how that friendship sort of. Mm, I don't know why I'm not finding words today. It's okay. But anyway, I think it would be nice to just see how that friendship sort of 
develops and that even though he was looking to have friends with people his own age and I guess Tetsuya is like closest in age to him in his syndicate it's nice that like he was able to be reminded that he's not alone and that there are people that do want to kick the can with him Mm -hmm. and sort of just be there for him and the right people are able to see him for who he is and not just what his face looks like yeah for sure okay uh let's move on to banana split cool why did i say like that let's move (laughs) on to banana split giada do you have any (laughs) yeah i have one banana split do you have any i have one yeah okay my my banana split is that nobody in the host club can get Casanova's name right Mm. and initially watching this without thinking of it any deeper i laugh along with the episode especially when they're saying stuff like bossa nova as like a musician and stuff like i found that very funny but he's yelling at them saying that they're getting his name wrong and you know the twins atomicy are hiding behind the couch it's such a funny moment but like nobody corrects themselves for the rest of the episode and they keep calling him Casanova or Bossa Nova for the rest of the entire time that they're talking to him. And I think that if they really wanted to be his friend, that they would put a little bit more effort into calling him by the right name, or maybe they could get on a first name basis if they're going to be close friends. Right. But like, I also have an ethnic last name, and it's annoying to always have to fix it for people. Right. Yeah. No. I more than fully understand. Oh, I know you could understand. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, honestly, like, I hadn't thought about that, but that could low-key be, like, a banana split hot fudge for me, but I think it's just sort of hot fudge just because of my own experience. The last time I had it, yeah, so the last time I had an issue, like, with my name, because, yes, my name is Chica, but... I'm Nigerian, so, like, my full name is, like, Chika Adeli, and y'all don't need to know my last name, but (laughs) um, (laughs) it's still, so my last name is also, like, an ethnic last name as well, and so I've always struggled, like, going through school, and then since my name isn't like everyone else's, then it just sort of turns into a game for people, and I think when you want somebody to take you seriously, it can get really taxing to have to keep correcting people like this is how you say my name it's actually if you said it like this da da da, da it's this easy mm-hmm. whatever you know you run into the people that will be like oh like i'm not even going to try or they'll pronounce it but then they're adding in unnecessary letters that aren't even there and stuff and you know like the last time i had an issue with my name There was um, an influencer. I won't go into who they are, but there was a larger influencer that is very well known in the nerd space. But either way, we'd become acquainted because of my past work with other organizations. And we seemed fine. I would, I'll, I'll at least start say that like our initial conversations online, it seemed very friendly and open and they were like appreciative of what I was doing specifically within like the black nerd space. But then once we met in person, they used my name as like this weird joke, like pitch sort of thing, which I mean, at that point, it's just kind of like, 
you know, if I'm saying that this isn't funny or if you're trying to make me into like the butt of some joke and this is the first time we're meeting, that's really not cool. Not at all. And so I like fully resonated with Casanova just being like, hey, this is how you say my name, you know, and like yelling that at one point. But I wish that they had, you know, put more effort into... I don't know, just saying his name or I think even if they couldn't say his last name, they could have just asked if they could call him Casanova. Yeah, as like a nickname. Yeah, like as a funny like inside joke type of nickname sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't like that it was at his expense. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the end of the hot fudge within banana split. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would want to say my banana split is I didn't understand why he wanted to kick the can so much. I don't think I fully get the game. Oh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I've heard of the game, but I don't know that I've ever played it. So maybe it was just something that was nostalgic to him that he wanted to share with other people. Or maybe, I mean, if he grew up in the the syndicate, I don't know how much experience he had with that. So maybe it was just a yearning he always had was to have a group of friends big enough to play a team game like that. Right, right. Ooh, like Red Rover. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> See, guys, I mean, I might be old, but I remember games I like that. <laughs> like, ooh, you know what? I prefer Mafia, actually. We played a lot of Manhunt growing up, uh, similar to like Cops and Robbers, I guess. Oh, okay. My, not to derail, but guys, my favorite childhood game is one I'm convinced that we made up because I've never heard of anybody else playing it. It was called Ghost in the Graveyard. And I still think about this game. Like, it was so fun. It was like an evolved version of like hide and seek tag essentially mm-hmm. we had a, a basketball hoop in our friend's yard so we all kind of like put our faces against that and close our eyes and count it and the two people who were the ghosts went to hide within the boundaries and then when we would scream out we would like count the hours of the day we'd scream out midnight and go looking for the ghosts and then if you found a ghost you'd have to scream ghost in the graveyard and we'd all have to make it back to base and tag it before we got tagged and if you got tagged you had to be a ghost it was so fun so fun. Oh. That sounds like fun. You definitely made that one. I don't, I've never played that game, but it sounds like a fun game though. Oh my God. It was so fun. And I was like the least athletic kid. So like, just because there was like a whole group of us and you know, if someone found the ghost, that wasn't me. I could probably make it back to base in time. And then like, we could stop playing to get ice cream from the ice cream truck when it came down the block. Oh, so nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I really do like playing different games. I like playing board games, all of those things. I just never had the chance to really do that growing up. Like I know people had like, not every person, but you know, some families have like game night or things of that nature. And that just was not, that was very new to me. So like when, by the time I got into college, that's when I started actually playing games well, board games specifically, but games for real. Mm-hmm. And then I fell in love with Mafia. You know Mafia, right? I know I've played it a couple times. You have to like pretend you're not one of them, right? Yeah, like you have to, I think it's called Mafia, but basically like every person gets roles, right? And so whoever the killer, the killer, <laughs> whoever the killer is, if the team is unable to guess like who that person is and everyone goes to sleep i guess i guess it's a little bit like heads up seven up but still if no one's able to guess who the killer is then they'll just keep killing and then each dead person they know who the real killer is but they can't let up and tell you who the person 
is because they're already dead. Yeah. And so it's just like, if the killer like wins, you know, then I guess they win. But then if they don't, then the people are avenged. But I loved playing that game. Yeah, I never played a whole lot of that. I think there was like similar versions of that called like vampire or like wolf or something, you know, like fantasy versions. Yeah. I remember like doing stuff like that. Uh, but that sounds so fun. I want to do like a childhood game night with a bunch of people now. <laughs> right. I think it'd be really a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any Rocky Road or Hot Fudge? I mean, I kind of had a Rocky Road that wasn't fleshed out, but I don't have any Hot Fudge. What about you? Yeah, I don't have any Hot Fudge either. So Rocky Road. Okay. All I really had in Rocky Road was just that I felt really bad for Casanoda because mm. you could really sense how lonely he is yeah. and how much he wants to fix that. So I just wrote poor lonely Casanoda in my notes. Yeah, I get it. I'm just glad he found people. Yeah, for sure. It would have been worse if he didn't find anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's get into Ice Cream, You Scream. Okay. So I just have two. Oh, so do I. I have... I think when they gave him dreadlocks, I just, they made him look crazy. Okay, that's pretty much what I have too. I would have liked to see how we got to that result with the makeover. Right. With Tom McKee's teddy bear and everything. Because I feel like for very fashionable guys, this is like extra stupid. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they were just like clowning around. I don't think they were being serious. Which is unfortunate too, because he genuinely went to them for help. Yeah. And honestly, when they were talking about having, like, the lovely item being honey, I thought that they were going to work their way up to it being Haruhi. Like, I thought that was going to happen. Ooh. Wait, that would have been such an interesting development. Yeah. Although Tamaki would never allow that. I hate to use the word allow, but, you know, he would do everything he could to not have that be a thing. Yeah, to make sure that it didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, I thought they were working their way up to that, but it didn't happen, though. Yeah, I really like that idea, though, because I'm thinking of all like the shenanigans that could unfold from that. I think that'd be a really, really good episode. Yeah, honestly, I thought that was going to, but you know, that wasn't the next episode, though. No, not quite. Right. The last one I have is Kyoya not stopping Casanoda from seeing Haruki undressing. Yes, that's ex we had the same exact ice cream ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Twinning. Yeah. Like he doesn't care enough to do anything about it himself. So he just nonchalantly tells the other guys when it's too late for them to do anything to stop him from going in there. Yeah. So I just feel like that general lack of concern is kind of annoying. Yeah. When we're like 22 episodes into this anime. <laughs> like... Come on now. Right. Kyoya really picks and chooses when he's going to give a fuck, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into episode 23, Tamaki's Unwitting Depression. Here's our soft serve summary. After Kasunoda realizes that Haruhi is a girl, he's terrified of being hurt by the host club, but promises to keep her secret. His gang is confused because... It's apparent that Casanoda likes Haruhi, but they still think Haruhi is a boy. When Casanoda next visits the host club as a customer, he requests Haruhi, and because the other guests also think Haruhi is a boy, they become excited about the yaoi possibilities. Tamaki is catatonic at the thought of Haruhi living as a mob wife, whereas Kyoya is thrilled because attendance at the club is up. 
The twins are furious with Tamaki for being useless in a crisis and Kyoya for being a money-grubbing enabler. Kasunoda tries to tell Haruhi how he feels about her, but can't because he's shy and because others would see him as gay. Haruhi resolves the issue by saying they'll be great friends, causing the girls to feel a huge surge of moe that makes them rush to comfort Kasunoda. Tamaki, however, confronts Kasunoda as an irate father, to which Kasunoda says he's not her dad. Haruhi says Tamaki does act like her father, restoring Tamaki's fantasy, though Haruhi herself is oblivious to everything. And that is our Wikipedia summary. Gianna, do you have a theme? I have. Navigating new feelings for someone can be complicated, but also beautiful. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, thank you. What do you have? I said if you have lemons, make lemonade. Oh, that's cute. That's very cute. Thanks. I'm just, you know, I just feel, or at least with that specific theme, I'm getting at the fact that even though Casanoda was rejected, he was able to make actual friends with more people. <laughs> yes, yes. Although they felt sorry for him, but still, it was just like, oh, he, now he has a whole group of people to play kick the can with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any sprinkle on top? I do. Okay. I just have that Karu brings up the pumpkin again when he's talking to Tamaki about how he's pretending everybody is his family. Yes, the Cinderella pumpkin. We're twinning again. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I had. I think, honestly, just seeing that pumpkin, I was just like, oh, is it all about to come to an end? This fantasy illusion thing? But not not in this episode. Not quite. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's get into floats your boat okay i love well i won't say love i think that's a strong word but i think it was really hilarious to see the twins peeping tom eyes when (laughs) casanota click comes out of the music room yeah they turn like demonic for a second yeah just ready to like torment him yeah and i also like i know that's this is kind i don't know if this is sadistic but i like that casanota was so freaked honestly because i didn't want to think too deeply about it because these are like my favorite episodes i literally laughed out loud watching kasanoda frantically trying to defend himself from walking in on haruhi you just feel so bad for the guy but it's so comically written that you can't help but laugh he's such a stand-up person yeah like he would never (laughs) he would never do it like literally shaking in his boots yeah quite literally like (laughs) shaking and stuff like i didn't mean to it wasn't the plan and like you know the twins you know they love to just take things there to go a little too far and stuff and Mm -hmm. he's just so freaked but i like that he was that freaked because i think people are so nonchalant about haruhi's boundaries that it was just sort of nice to see somebody that was just like oh i would never do this to you i am so sorry yeah it's refreshing yeah what's one of your floats your boat the next thing i have is just how incredibly adorable and precious it is that casanoda is so nervous on the sofa having tea with haruhi at the host club Oh, it's just, uh, he's blushing and everything. It's so sweet. Yes. I think, honestly, that it's so cute that even though people perceive him as being gay, because he wants to keep her secret, he doesn't care. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I'm just going to meet with her anyway, just so I can talk with her and stuff. Yeah. Which is really sweet. I love him. Yeah. I love him, too. 
And then also Tamaki's like mind. <laughs> oh my god, I Tamaki regressing through space. That's probably one of the funniest bits in the entire series for me. <laughs> I actually did a really mediocre painting of that scene and I will share it on Twitter when this airs. <laughs> Maybe Ooh. I'll do like a side by side. Yes. Yes, you must. Yeah, it's hanging up in my bedroom. <laughs> like, there's literal dinosaurs, <laughs> volcanoes erupting, the moon explodes on the sun. Like, yeah. his mind just goes through all of these traumatic type of things, and it's like, Tamaki, get a grip. <laughs> right. I'll, like, please get over yourself and realize that, like, you're going to be fine. Everyone's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I think we sort of mentioned this as part of the last episode, but I love that the syndicate, like Casanova syndicate, was so loving towards him because Casanova stopped eating before he realized he liked Haruhi. Yeah. So they were just like, oh, like, what do we have to do? Like, I drink all these like sodas so that he could play with the cans. And they truly just wanted him to be better or be at his best. And... I really appreciate the fact that they weren't, like, offended by the the idea that Casanova might be gay. Yeah, the instant support was amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, I guess especially since, like, there have been sort of weird undertones throughout the anime, but in this one, it was like, this is definitely, like, an allyship type of episode yeah, that we needed. For sure. Yeah. Especially after all the stuff with Ronka. It's it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. I only have one more floats your boat. It's at the very end of the episode. I don't know if you have anything else before that. Oh, I had Let's Go Shoujo Sungay because <laughs> all of the customers were like riveted by Kasunoda and Haruhi like hanging out with each other. Yeah, they're all for it. Oh, Tamaki thinking about Haruhi being a mob wife. Oh my god. And like yeah. her her Yakuza tattoo had his teddy bear in it. Yeah. And I'm just like, Tamaki, please. Like, like he's gotta do some grounding exercises or something. He always is just like a different a different atmosphere with that guy. Like Absolutely. Casanova confronting Tamaki about the dad thing. Yes. It's part of one of my banana splits, but it's just because of Tamaki's behavior. But a thousand percent, I loved that so much. Right. The way he kind of just stuck it to him with like logic and Tamaki couldn't deny it. I'm just like, yes, because everybody says this literally what is wrong with you yeah he's like are you married to her mom or something and tamaki can't answer he's like finally seeing the gaping holes in his being how to he's daddy fantasy yeah yeah so i loved that he made him question himself on that because it's fucking it's been fucking weird and everybody <laughs> yeah. saying like it's the shit is weird. You really are her dad. Yeah. But then, oh my gosh, then he tries to confess. So Casanova tries to confess, but she, like Haruhi doesn't even let him finish. She's just like, oh, we're going to be great friends. Yeah. So my like when that scene is the pots falling <laughs> on his head. Yeah. When, like the other customers are reacting to his rejection. Yeah. I, I put that in ice cream, you scream, honestly, just because he couldn't. He couldn't even get the words out. Yeah. And Hadi, he's just like, we're going to be great friends. It had beautiful tension. The tension was created so perfectly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But I was just internally screaming because I felt so bad. Like, you can't help but root for Casanoda. Yeah, because, like, he's such a genuine person. And, like, I think unlike the host club and, like, Tamaki and Takaru, I guess, as soon as he realized his feelings, he wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much. Forget, like, holding off. I'm going to say something as soon as I know it. And then... I just think him valiantly saying that they could be the best of friends and stuff. I don't know. Maybe there's like a little Casanova ship like somewhere deep in my heart. Like, yeah, like the uh, the the gang thing kind of. I don't know how that would end up working out, but oh my god, I love him so much. Like, I would absolutely ship it. Yeah, me too. Low-key. Yeah. Okay, I have one last floats your boat. Okay. Haruhi saying that she doesn't belong to anyone. I don't know why I didn't write that down, but I absolutely thought it when I was watching the episode. Yeah, she said that like at the very end, I don't belong to anybody because Tamaki's all like trying to be like, oh, I'm not going to allow whatever. I don't even remember exactly how it went, but it ends with her being like, I don't belong to anyone. And it's like, yes, Haruhi, please, you have agency. <laughs> yes. Like, continue to stand your ground. Yeah. Okay, what is your last floats your boat? I just put that it was cute to all see them finally play Kick the Can with Casanoda. Yeah. Like, he finally has this big group of friends to play with. I hope everybody's, like, nice to him from now on, too. Yeah. I hope this continues for him. He just seems like such a sweet person. He really does. Yeah. Okay, let's move into Banana Split. I have Tamaki turning into a robot. Interesting. Why is that Banana Split for you? I just thought it was weird. Yeah. I couldn't see it all the way as funny because I was just like, get your head out of your ass. (laughs) I don't know why this one... I mean, maybe it's just because of the type of person Casanova was, but I don't see why he wasn't automatically like activated to try to stop what was happening. And so him turning into this robot unable to function, I was just like, okay, snap out of it for real. Yeah, it seemed like that these two episodes with Casanova were also trying to make some sort of reference to maybe a robot anime that just went over my head. So I didn't know if like... Oh, like Gundam? Maybe. I don't know if that was like part of it because it sounded like um in the last episode when Casanova's father was teaching him how to like go like ah in a really intimidating way at one point he says like now try this ma and it shows like a robot on the frame and little casanova is like ranting over it like saying isn't that like from some robo something or other i'm not gonna do that silly thing so it sounded like they were directly trying to reference something that kind of went over my head so maybe that was part of it which still i guess that would leave it in banana split because like i don't know it didn't do anything for me either yeah yeah My last banana split is Tamaki is an idiot, but so is Haruhi. Ooh, okay. Why do you say that? I think I was banana split on it because him being that oblivious to the fact that he likes Haruhi was starting to aggravate me. Mm, mm -hmm. But then also Haruhi being so oblivious to the fact that people actually like her was irritating me on Casanova's behalf. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, Y'all are both stupid. That's why y'all are like the one true pairing because y'all both are stupid in some way. (laughs) Right. In very, very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. There was a part of this where when I was very first watching Oran, yet again, I was like, 
oh, is Tamaki fully realizing his feelings for her and that his behavior has been so weird because he was questioning, like, why do I find her so utterly adorable when she's with another man? Why am I so insanely jealous? And I thought that he was, like, getting to a conclusion. But it just completely derails as usual because he, he, oh my god, the fact that he literally says that he was preserving her lips and that he wanted to marry his little girl someday just makes me think of this meme I saved from Twitter where it just says yikes nine times. (laughs) Right. Oh my god. Right. That's fucking weird, bro. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's like, I realized it was weird that, you know, most daddies don't want to marry their little girl when they grow up, so I don't know why I feel this way. Oh my god. Tomiki, please come back down to earth. It's safe here. Right. It's safe (laughs) here. You don't have weird ass thoughts. Yeah. That shit, like, don't have kids, Haruhi. Damn. That shit's fuck. He needs to get his shit, like, set before y'all even think about it because no. Right. We can't have Freud in this house. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) It's like when Tom, when Tamaki is with two feet on the ground, he's great. But this is not okay. (laughs) It really isn't. Yeah. So, it's just staying on Tamaki for now. Uh, not only is it unprofessional for Tamaki to interrupt Tarahi and Kasunoda on their specific time together at the host club, but it's also incredibly rude. She's even like, please don't do this. So Tamaki, she like pleads with him. And that's when Tamaki tells him that like, as her father, you don't have permission. And that's when Kasunoda calls him out. So it was in banana split because somebody finally called him out, but it was like the behavior was abysmal. So that's why that was in banana split for me. And my last banana split is Kasunoda fully accepting his feelings for Haruhi after knowing she's a girl is definitely extremely adorable. And I loved that very much. And I also feel bad that like he couldn't eat because that's something I can relate to. If I start to have a crush on someone, sometimes I'll lose my appetite before I even realize it's because I had a crush on someone. But... (laughs) It goes from 1 to 100 immediately. He's, like, doing the little flower, like, am I in love with her or do I like her? And he's writing in marker on his arm about keeping her secret for life because she's a girl posing as a guy right now. And he's declaring that he's in love with her after just two days. So that's banana split because I love that he's falling for her and it's so precious, Mm -hmm. but it goes from one to 100 very quickly. Yeah. No, I think that you're right. I think it's like, I respect the fact that he acted immediately on his feelings, but it's just kind of like, it reminds me of how I feel when people confess and then they don't know as much about that person. Yeah. And so it's like, do you actually like Haruhi? for who she is or do you like her because she wasn't afraid of your face and you're just confusing your gratitude with that for actually liking her yeah oh my gosh it very much could be that like that's the first girl he's probably gotten to speak to in god knows how long yeah yeah so fully get what you're saying with that i just mm. yeah yeah honestly that was I feel like that was my um my ice creaming screen. Oh yeah. When he was thinking about his feelings for Haruhi, he started imagining things that she didn't say. Yeah. So I guess to just add on to what you were saying, but this was more ice cream you scream for me. In that instance, it felt very much like Tamaki 
But that's something that I also don't like about Tamaki because the fantasy version of Haruhi that's in his head isn't like who Haruhi is in real life. Yeah, it's not like an accurate representation. Right, and so him just sort of throwing words into her mouth and turning certain situations into what it wasn't, I didn't really like that. Yeah, that's not my favorite either. That's another example, I feel like, of it going from 1 to 100. Like, he's having these weird fantasies and he's known her for two days. Like, calm down a little bit. Calm down. Just have a conversation with the girl. Yeah. Like, get to know her for real. Right. Know her Know her and like her for who she is before you then just start trying to, I don't know, fantasize about her. Yeah. 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 It makes me a little uncomfy. Yeah, same. What's your ice cream you scream? My ice cream you scream is just that I felt like the fangirls at the host club were a bit much. While I love that they're here for the yaoi, I think that they could have given Kasunoda and Harahi more privacy. Like, Renge's literally there with binoculars, and Kasunoda just wants to have a conversation with Harahi. Like, maybe he could have confessed quietly if they weren't all around and invading their space true actually yeah i think he could have had like there's so many feelings about this guys i don't know i know i know there's so many thoughts i just wish that like i wish things were just a little bit different but i also don't mind the way that things panned out either yeah yeah me neither i was just thinking like what if they what if they like passed notes because then the other girls couldn't hear their conversation. So, like, they cutely passed notes back and forth. Like, that would have been a cute go around. I know that wouldn't work as well for, like, TV, I guess. But I don't know. Just, like, that's, like, my fanfic in my head right now. That that could have happened. <laughs> right. I think that would have been really cute. And it also would have set Tamaki on edge. Because, like, what are they writing to each other? What are they writing? He'd be, like, sending people over to try and look over their shoulders. <laughs> Probably a plot banana or two in there. You know, I think it'd be great. Yeah. But that's all I have. Uh, Let's get into our last episode, episode 24. And so Kyoya met him. Here is our soft serve summary. When Haruhi asks Kyoya how they became friends, Kyoya reveals that it was because his father, Yoshio Otori, insisted that it would be good for business. Kyoya says that he would do anything his father asked at the time, so he puts up with the transfer student's odd request, traveling all over Japan while trying to wrap his head around the affluent Tamaki, but can neither anticipate nor control him, which he finds frustrating. One Sunday, Tamaki shows up at Kyoya's house unannounced, but before Kyoya can politely eject him, he's mesmerized by Tamaki's soulful musicianship, as are the other three Otori siblings. Afterwards, as they share tea, Tamaki manages to push every button Kyoya has, who snaps at him for not appreciating his easy path to his family's successionship, whereas Kyoya, as the youngest son, has to fight just to be acknowledged by his father. Tamaki tells Kyoya that the only one holding Kyoya back is himself. Kyoya sees the ironic truth and laughs, demolishing the barriers between them and beginning a true friendship. Later that year, they sit under a kotatsu and make plans to form the host club. And that's our summary. So, Gianna, do you have a theme? I do. I put, the limitations we see around us are just obstacles that we can overcome. We just need to be passionate and persistent. Ooh, I like that. 
Oh, thank you. What do you have? I just said that you need to live a little. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Very, a uh, very basic. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. Do you have any sprinkle on top? Yes, I have two actually. Ooh, okay. I put for number one that Kiyoya compares the limitations and expectations his father set on him, like painting a picture that's befitting of the beautiful frame that's already been set around the canvas. By the end of the episode, he's painted a beautiful mural extending from the frame, showing that he's not limiting himself to those expectations and limitations of being the third son, and he's giving it his all to surpass his brothers. So that's number one. I feel like that's a very obvious uh, sprinkle on top. One that's a little bit more understated is that there's one little tea stem standing upright in Kiyoya's tea at the end of the episode, just as he is ruminating over how sharing Tamaki's world will open him up to things he's never seen before. And apparently one little stem sticking straight up is a sign of good luck. So I thought that was a very cute detail. Oh, okay. I didn't even pick, I didn't pick up on that one. I think that's good. Yeah, I forget what anime I learned that from, but I, I learned that the the stem standing upright is a sign of good luck. Yeah, you know, my sprinkle on top was the clothes. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I said that it was Kyoya's clothes because you see in in the episode that his sister is always trying to organize his clothes, but it's like impossible for her because all of these clothes keep like piling up when she's trying to put it back. And I feel like it's just really a reflection of who Kyoya is in that he wants to be so organized. But the thing is that he needs to be able to let more space into his life and not be as rigid, right? And so I think you just sort of see like within the episode, like this pile of clothes, it just starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think it's just a reflection of him embracing that he can live a little, he can not follow, I guess, that rigid plan or whatever that he has, and he can still be successful in some way. That's a really interesting detail to pick up on. I really like that. Thanks. So let's get into Floats Your Boat. I have his sister telling him to take it easy. Yeah, I really like his sister. I feel like she really has his best interests in mind, and she just wants to look out for him. Right. I wish that we knew of her presence before this episode. Yeah, it would have been nice for him to, like, offhandedly mention his sister in some way, but he does also seem to be pretty private. Right. Because when Haruhi asked about his family, he outright told- Oh, sorry if you can hear Soleil scratching the chair behind me. Um, He outright tells her, like, I'm not going to talk about my family, so- yeah, I don't know. I guess he just didn't want to share, but it would have been nice to have a little bit more context about her beforehand. Right, because the way that I see it, he's always talking about his brothers, and you never hear him say anything about even having a sister. Oh, right. And, like, now we're meeting her. Yeah. And on top of it, she's telling him, like, hey, you should have fun. Like, you don't need to be serious all of the time, you know? And he is a person that needs to have somebody like that telling him that he can be at ease and that he can have fun. Yeah, it's good that he has this drive, but it's taking over his whole life. I guess that's kind of like a banana split. True. 
True, I would think the same way. What's one of your floats your boat? Uh, this is really just a comment on how it's animated. I really like the shot where Kiyoya is eating at the table with his father and brothers. There's sunlight pouring through the windows, and the sun reaches only the half of the table where the men are sitting, and the rest of the chairs and table is cast in shadow. And I just really liked the way that it was framed because, like, the sun's coming through this wall of windows and it illuminates the three characters that we need to focus on, but the rest of the room is cast in shadow. I just thought that was a really pretty frame. Yeah, I mean, I think we we don't really get to see his brothers, but I also just liked that rather than us seeing him in, like, the photo where their face is blurred, like, you can kind of see them in person a little bit. Yeah. Although they don't say anything. Yeah. (laughs) They don't really give them much personality. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, like, when it comes to Kyoya's situation, you know what? I lied. I lied. That should be in Banana Split. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, something that I liked. Uh, I think that Kyoya has always been paving a space for himself. Even when he thought that, oh, I'm just a third son, I'm not going to do anything. He was always working at something. And so I just like that about him. Yeah, I really like his passion. I I really admire that about him. Yeah, I think he just sort of embodies like when there's a will, there's a way, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, Tamaki's mind theater has been active like (laughs) forever (laughs) this entire time. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Who knows how early that started? Yeah. I think anytime, like, Kyoya would end up saying yes, and then he's, like, being like, thank you, Monami, this, (laughs) Kyoya, like, just saying all of these, like, words and stuff and jumping on him for, like, a hug. Like, I don't think Kyoya really had a choice of being his friend. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like whether he liked it or not, they were going to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. And in that beginning where Kiyoya is sort of discovering Tamaki's quirks, I, gosh, I got such a kick out of that. He upsets him because his family doesn't have a kotatsu. Mm -hmm. And Tamaki was really hoping his, like, he would have a friend who, you know, he could sit under the kotatsu with. And he just goes into, like, depressed Tamaki mode for a second. He's, like, leaning up on a wall that doesn't exist. (laughs) And... Kyoya's like, did I step on a landmine or something? And that is me kind of compartmentalizing because I have more to say about Tamaki and their introduction later, but I had to put that in Floats Your Boat because it's so funny. I think because of the fact that you see Kyoya and he's so unfazed by things, it was just nice to see, oh, there was a time when he was phased by what Tamaki (laughs) was doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just like like anybody else, he was like, what? When he first met him. Yeah. Oh, I have Kyoya punching the couch when he was, like, mad. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I thought that was so funny, but I'll... (laughs) Oh, you thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, you gotta get the aggression out in a safe way, sure. (laughs) Right, like, I mean, don't hit him for real, but it was just, like, he's punching the couch, and it looked like his clothes were, like, hanging on imaginary lines, like, all around, (laughs) like, his living room space within his room and stuff and it was just very chaotic i i don't i don't know why i just thought it was hilarious oh yeah and it's almost like thinking back to your sprinkles on top it's almost like it's a representation of kiyoya's bottled up anger towards tamaki throughout the episode because it's slowly more and more closer creeping out just as like kiyoya is getting ready more and more to explode on tamaki 
Mm-hmm. The next flute boat that I have, of course, cannot go without saying that Tamaki's piano playing brought the entire Otari family to tears, including Kyoya. It's really neat to see that he could even break through Kyoya's really like steel barriers through art and music, through his expression. I really, really liked that. Me too. I think the fact that he just has this God-given talent and stuff, it was just great to see... The whole family really acknowledge him because I'm sure they came at it from a more technical standpoint of this is who he is. This is his life situation. How can I monopolize that? And it's like, no, he actually really is a talented person and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's like more than what like you have in that report. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, the next thing that I have is just kind of my own little observation. I feel like Tamaki has the potential, the potential to be emotionally intelligent, you know, when he matures, you know, again, potential, because he can tell just by looking into Kiyoya's eyes that he's not happy with his situation. And I feel like it takes an emotionally intelligent person and a very observant person and an empathetic person to be able to notice that about someone and maybe want to do something about it. So I love that for Tamaki. He just gotta, he just gotta keep growing up. (laughs) Right. Like once you get past like the theater of his mind, the times when he's like rarely serious, you kind of take whatever he says to heart because you know, it's coming from a genuine place. Yeah. And I wish we were able to get exposed to that side of him a bit more. Me too. Honestly, I feel like if he showed that side a little bit more to Haruhi, then maybe things would have been a little bit different. Oh, I definitely agree. I just have one more floats your boat. Oh, okay. Um, I have one more too. Okay. I like that when Tamaki says that Kyoya is showing his true colors, that he realizes Kyoya's true colors are evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, you look evil. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was hilarious because it's like, okay, so you knew it from the start. (laughs) He was like this. Right. It's also just very cute to see Kiyoya letting those walls down in front of Tamaki after his aggression sort of got the better of him towards the end of the episode. And it's like then we can see them start to really bond because nobody has anything to hide. There's no fronts. It's not about being professional. It's just like... Well, you've seen the worst of me, so here's the rest of me. I thought that was very cute. Yeah. But that's actually all my floats your boat. Okay. Let's get into Banana Split. Okay. Why was the vice president girl leaning on the teacher after Tamaki complimented her? (laughs) Okay, I noticed that too, but I didn't know if it was worth commenting on because it was just like in the background. But it seemed like maybe she was like swooning and like maybe he was like there to keep her upright. That's the only sense I can make out of it. Right. Because for me, I was just like, girl, if you get stand up, <laughs> <laughs> get a hold stand of yourself, up. get up like, girl, you saw your hair before you left your house. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Not to say that it's bad, but it's just like. Some soft words shouldn't have you leaning on your teacher like that and everything because that was uncomfortable. Like, I mean, not that thankfully the teacher was a legitimate type teacher, so it wasn't implied that anything happened. But I was definitely just looking at her sus, like, why are you like this? (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of a bit much. Yeah. What's one of your banana splits? 
I don't think that Fiume should be organizing Kyoya's clothes for him, but it's very sweet that she wants to help him out. Yeah. It's not her responsibility, so I don't know. He should organize his own clothes. Right. Honestly, I think she was just looking for an excuse to talk to him. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But she, you're right, though. Like, she shouldn't... I don't know how I would feel. It's not like she's going to steal his clothes, but I was just like, I just... Mm, <laughs> do you need to be on his clothes, though? No. Yeah. Like, constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any more banana split? I do have one more. I don't think I have any more banana split. Oh, okay. I just have that I sympathize with Kyoya. His circumstances are definitely not ideal. Mm. I mean, I know he's, like, better off, you know, with money and stuff, but, like, he's not in a great situation. He wants to do more than just have to work under one of his brothers for the rest of his life. He's feeling very stuck in that frame or those circumstances because he's the third son. That's kind of, like, I guess the more positive of this banana split because I sympathize with him. Like, I see where he's coming from. But I feel like the way he blows up on Tamaki, while it's, like, kind of warranted, sort of, like, it feels kind of warranted, mm. it's such an intense explosion that it feels too much for the context of the current conversation that they're having. Yeah. So it's, like, too much for the moment. But, like, I get it. I sympathize with him. And also the fact that Tamaki just turns around and gives him advice instead and says that he can surpass his brothers if he doesn't give up and he's able to sort of motivate him telling him he doesn't have to live inside that frame it's it's an interesting i don't i love this episode because like we, we really get to think about these things you know right i don't understand why Kilia's father is making it so that just one of his sons can inherit if you have three sons and you have your hands in different things i don't know why they couldn't just, he couldn't have his sons inherit different departments. Right. With the way that Kyoya is using them, I'm surprised that he didn't just make Kyoya like the successor of like the private security group that he's always threatening to use on people. Right. Now, come to think of it, the, the Otaris really do have a lot that they're dabbling in. They're like working on that resort. They have hospitals and they have the private police force. I'm, I'm naming three things right there. And there's three sons. Yeah. So interesting. I never thought about this before. I just, I don't know why the dad's doing that. And I think... By doing that, you're just sort of creating bad blood. I think if you have that much wealth and you have that many children, then you should be able to set aside something for each child. Yeah. Rather than making it like this dog-eat-dog sort of competition. Because at that point, you need to care about the well-being of each child and not having them, like, technically have it out against one another. Because once you're gone, then, you know, they're only going to have each other. But if they only have enmity then they don't have each other even if they're still alive. Right, like you're not cultivating a loving family who's going to be there for each other that way at all. Yeah, and then even outside of it, I also think it's kind of sexist because like I don't know, since they've just been talking about his brothers all the fucking time and we just got to meet Fuyumi, it's like, okay, well, what is she taking over then? Right, yeah, like we have no idea what her goals are or what her path is. yeah. And it's like, even if they, you know, I guess have her marry somebody for like some sort of alliance. I realize that when women or femme presenting people get married, then it's like, oh, they're supposed to become part of that other family. But I don't think that that makes you any less a part of the family that you were part of prior to getting married. Yeah. And so I feel like she should have her own 
her own department, I guess, or or cut of the Atori inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we got to learn more about her. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any Rocky Road? I do. I have two. Okay. Do you have any? Mm-mm. I just have um, ice cream, you scream. Oh, okay. So my first one just kind of comes out of exactly what we were just talking about. Not with Fayumi, but with Kiria. Um, He says, whether I'm happy or unhappy has nothing to do with it. And I feel like that's such a sad outlook. Mm-hmm. And that, his, you know, his brothers are already set up for success. And Kiyoya is forced to go above and beyond to impress his father. It's such a sad outlook and a sad situation. Um, I don't want to hammer it into the ground too much. But yeah, that that's basically it. I don't feel really sad about that as well. It's just like, where's the mother? Right. I have no idea what's going on with the mother. If she's in the picture at all. Yeah, because for me, I'm just like, okay, she's got to be dead. Right. Because I feel like nobody's caring about the Otori kids' emotional well-beings outside of the sister. And that is the exact thing that needs to be fostered in all of them to be successful. And so if you have that emotional epicenter that's like, okay, well, are you happy? I want you to be happy. I don't want you to just think about how you're going to succeed this company and become some sort of businessman or woman. Right. Like he's literally in high school. He should just be enjoying his time in high school yeah rather than having to be concerned about different things like this like i would hate to be put in that position of constantly having to prove myself to people that shouldn't be forcing me to prove myself to them yes oh my god absolutely yeah um yeah i just have one more rocky rowan okay and again when i first watched oran and definitely still to this day I tear up at the sight of Kyoya's painting exceeding the limitations of the frame. Because not only did it go outside of the frame, but it's like a mural on the wall above it. And it's colorful. It resonates so strongly with me. And I'm sure like most, if not like all other creatives that are listening to this could relate to it too. Because it feels like society is almost built against being able to sustain yourself on your art or your passion. Mm -hmm. Which is like the frame over the canvas that is like our life. But only by continuing to paint to the edges of the frame will allow yourself to move the brush to the other side so every time i see it it's like i i sort of weep a little for kiyoya and me and other all other creatives who who feel similarly finger snaps <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> yes uh oh my gosh life is so hard guys guys yeah yeah <laughs> like i just wish we could just have fun because honestly like capitalism Kind of, it just sucks ass, bro, like. I was just talking to this with one of, like, one of my coworkers the other day because yay tax season. And we were like, you know, we could just be, like, making art and vibing with the animals and eating fresh grown stuff. But instead we have, like, social security numbers and credit scores. (laughs) Like, why did we decide this? Why is this it? I'm not a fan. And then if you pay off something, it's bad. If you pay it off, like. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) On your, like, whatever credit thing that they fucking made up. Like, screw all of that. I've been trying to move, guys. Who knows? Soon. By the time you're listening to this, I don't even think I'll be moved yet. But I've been trying to move to California, right? And, like, for me to have a legitimate okay place to live, I actually do have to get a second, like, job. Mm. Because the money that I make now, and I make good enough money 
but it's not California good money. Right. And I am so frustrated because it's like, uh, I want to be able to have fun mm-hmm. and to just chill out and be a regular human being and not feel like I am have to do 80 things before I can rest. Yeah. And even when I'm resting, I'm not fully rested because I'm thinking about all the shit that I have to do the next day mm-hmm. or what I haven't done yet. Like, ugh. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. I did not mean to explode, but it was just like, oh No, it's okay. Yeah, I get it. It's uh, it's expensive to exist. It is. It is. Sorry, to, sorry we brought it down. It is Rocky Road, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, y'all, it's Rocky Road. Cry about it for real. Like, that's why we yeah. have it. <laughs> Capitalism make us, us cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, that's a tempting title for this week, but... <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll yeah I'll maybe I'll try not to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move into ice cream you scream. Okay. I really disliked Kyoya projecting his thought process onto Tamaki um when it came to talking about him becoming his dad's successor and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think in general it was just like he sort of just built this narrative on who Tamaki was. And, like, how he was this love child, which I'm just, like, they make such a big deal out of it. And I don't know, because I've never been wealthy, if that's just something people who are wealthy, like, do. But to be that pressed over, oh, this is a love child, and he came from nowhere, and now he has a silver spoon in his mouth, and whatever. And then it's like, you don't take him seriously, But then you're also mad because you think he's more privileged than you are. But then you're upset because he's actually not more privileged than you are. And it was just like the way that Kyoya was frustrated with Tamaki, I was kind of frustrated with him because it's like, who are you to feel this way about Tamaki when you didn't even have positive intentions when you first started talking to him? Right. It's like he understood the transactional relationships he had with all of his classmates. Mm-hmm. And he was projecting that onto Tamaki as well. And it's like, I understand because I can sympathize with Kyoya where he's coming from, but that doesn't make it right. I feel like Tamaki really wanted a friend off the bat and Kyoya was too caught up in his own drama. Not to, you know, water it down to being drama, but that's the first word that came to my mind. Uh, Kyoya was so caught up in his own stuff that he wasn't really able to separate it. And it's like, I understand that it's like, wow, I literally have to stress my whole life about this thing that's being handed to you. Even though like, if he just asked, you know, if they had a conversation about it, it wouldn't, I mean, maybe it's not the most casual conversation to have. That would have been cleared up. And I don't know, they could have bonded over how they're both not being handed their companies or whatever. But I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point because I, I didn't really flush any of this out, but... No, it's okay. I can see where he's coming from, but it doesn't make it right. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, honestly, I'm glad that Tamaki didn't... Maybe he understood it, like, a little later on, but I'm glad that he initially didn't think that Kyoya's just being friends with me because of who I am. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to just fully be himself and get Kyoya used to who he is before, like sort of having that rude awakening that like he's looking at you or at least initially as a connection rather than as a person yeah 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 and then i think the last the last ice cream ice cream that i have is just kyoya throwing the table 
Well, I was just like, what is this? Is this real housewives of New Jersey? When <laughs> Teresa Judice throws the table because she's mad at Danielle. That I'm telling you, I know this is very random, guys. But that scene of real housewives is so poignant and vivid in my mind because <laughs> I feel like it fundamentally changed me as a person. Oh, my God. I was just like. Oh my god, like what? She's like, you came into my trap! Like, she's just doing that and just throwing the table. <laughs> I don't know, like, reality TV, like, it was literal gold. But yeah, so Kyoya throwing this table, I guess, also predates Teresa doing it. But still, like, him <laughs> throwing the table. Secret inspo. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. Right. It's like, oh, well, I got it from Teresa's, like, I got it from Oran High School Host Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? What did the table gotta do? Why are you throwing this? Like, he was just doing a lot in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your ice cream of the screams? Okay, so I have two. I just put for number one that Tamaki is just unbearable when he first meets Kyoya, in my opinion. I just feel like he's so annoying. Yeah. But it's also like very funny. Cause he's like he's like one of those people who's like really enamored with Japanese culture and he has all these expectations. So like first and foremost that. Yeah. Then he pities Kyoya because his family doesn't have a kotatsu, so he just assumes that that means they aren't close or happy. And that's just like a horrible thing to imply. Then he wants to go to all these places. He's like, let's go to Kyoto and Okinawa and Hokkaido. And he immediately insists on calling him by his first name. And then... Like, after all this and Kiyoya's just, like, bending to his will, Tamaki pulls, you know, his little, like, puppy dog eyes out and says that he underestimated Kiyoya's ability to entertain him at one point. And I'm just, I literally just wrote, dear lord, in my notes, because it's like, Tamaki has no chill whatsoever. Whatsoever. He's literally, like insane yeah but i feel like it's also a sign of how lonely he is yeah that he just never had anybody there to check him before right yeah that's sad yeah i just have one more ice cream you scream and it's like does it's not really that deep at all i just happened to notice at least i think i noticed that they drew fayumi in the same outfit in every scene and i'm like give the girl some variety you know like she can wear more than this green dress mm-hmm I don't know. It felt like they were pushing her even further into the background by not bothering to give her the same amount of variety they would give any other character that appears over multiple days in an episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I I just wish we had more time with her. I think they just heavily emphasize like how Haruhi's like the only woman in their life, right? But that's not really the case. Yeah. And so it's just like this would have been nice to just have that added dynamic i mean yes they have haruhi and then i guess technically like renge but i don't take renge seriously in that regard yeah me neither so just more of like fiumi like what if she had been around the club i would love to just see how the different hosts would have interacted with somebody like her yeah what if she was there at the resort or something yeah that would have been interesting yeah but i guess that's is that your last uh, ice cream, you scream? Yeah, that's all I have. Okay. Well, that was episode 35 of Shoujo Sunday, guys. Wow. Woohoo. We're just breezing through this. I can't believe. And also, the penultimate episode <gasps> of our Oran High School Host Club 
recap. Yes. Wow. I mean, time really just flew by like so quickly but we hope that you have been enjoying our coverage of this series because we love it so much and we want you guys to love what we love you don't have to but we hope that you love it because we have so much fun doing this yeah please make sure to follow shoujo sunday on all platforms particularly podcast platforms so if you're an apple podcast girly we're on apple Podcasts. if you're on spotify we're on spotify we're on stitcher audible iHeartRadio, literally everywhere so make sure to follow our podcast and rate us five stars we would appreciate it so much guys oh and if you are feeling a little verbose you can leave us an actual written review on apple Podcasts. a lot of people kind of go on there to get a feel or scope of um podcasts that they'd like to sort of partake in or if it's really worth listening to so we would appreciate that help oh so much please also make sure to follow us on social media we're shoujo sunday literally everywhere we're also on discord so if you can find our link tree, our link tree is is a link in our bio on Twitter and on Instagram. You can see the invite for our Discord like right there. Please make sure to go and click it because we would love to have you be part of our community. It is free. So, you know, I would get on that. And we have like a podcast discussion channel. So regardless of if you're kind of starting out listening to us and you're like, listening to our Oron episodes or if you want to go far back and talk about our like Maid-sama episodes whatever you feel like if you wanted to talk about something that we said that is why that channel is there and we would love to interact with you guys it is time for our patron shout out for our sprinkles patrons we have pj pete and akemi for our whipped cream patron we have mark m and for our Hot Fudge patrons, we have Aaron, AJ, Mark D, and Mackenzie. Thank you all so much for being our patrons. I guess outside of that, I am Chica Supreme. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chica Supreme, and that's Chica with a K, not two Cs. Gianna? I am Gianna Luna, and you can follow me everywhere at Gianna underscore Luna underscore, and that is Gianna with one N. Okay, so we will be seeing you guys next time. Yes, we will see you then. Bye! Bye.